You are listening to Bear in Mind, the University of Northern Colorado's official podcast. Join us each episode as we listen to the voices from UNC faculty, staff, students, and alumni as they offer insights of local or national importance. This is your host, Dan and Cox, bringing you just a taste of UNC. My name is Maria del Mar, uh, known as Maria on campus. I am a former UNC graduate student. I graduated last summer, and now I work as adjunct faculty in the sport and exercise science department, and I work at campus recreation as well. I probably turned like 16 or 17. And there was this place in Costa Rica that made my favorite birthday cakes because I love frosting. I'm not a cake person, I love frosting, right? It had the best frosting ever. And it was like tradition. We always got our birthday cakes from Chosa Dulce. And I got that year a birthday cake and I didn't try it. Everyone that attended my party tried it and I had my favorite cake there and I didn't eat it. And what I got was congratulations because that made me so strong, right? I didn't fall into the temptation of having my favorite freaking birthday cake when I was 16. Just because of, of just a few years prior, here you are being told different things. Exactly, because a couple of years before, it was like, oh, well, you should never eat this because you should probably be on a diet. Oh, you shouldn't probably take this because uh, you used to look so nice and now you just blew it by going through puberty. <laughs> Thanks to hormones. <laughs> right. Exactly. So you get rewarded for all these behaviors. And then, of course, that messes with your head and with your health mm -hmm. forever. But, you know, it, a kid. I'm really happy to talk about these kind of things because it's it's not a normal conversation to have mm -hmm. and I, I think I think that's also step one is for even people to not who who don't have these discussions to have them to have a better recognition and to to have greater awareness of this so as I mentioned you know right this week is not actually how about you introduce it <laughs> well this week is national eating disorder awareness week it's a national event when the idea is just to talk about it what does it look like what does it feel like to have whether it's a official diagnose of an eating disorder or just disordered eating behaviors mm -hmm. and how that affects your social life your mental health your emotional health so this is the week of just bringing these conversations to the table and talking to people and saying, you know what, this has happened to me and I want to share this with you, hopefully so that you can relate to it or help others not have this experience as well. Right. Nice. And it is national, so that means that, again, it'll come around over and over again. But really, theoretically, we shouldn't even be having this week at all. This should just be a... a a daily thing mm -hmm. and it's a daily struggle right but mm -hmm. at least we i know that you have done a lot of efforts and spearheading things on campus like uh getting collaborations going on can you name just a few just so like if people weren't aware 
So on campus, we've created efforts just to bring exactly attention to this issue uh, involving campus recreation. So we have group fitness classes and we've been working with our group fitness instructors to think about how to encourage positive ways to move and how to move your body because it allows you to do all these cool classes that we teach, not only because of the reason of aesthetics or because you need to compensate for what you ate, right? Mm -hmm. So it's been a training around the instructors and then the people that come to campus recreation. We have worked with um, Women's Resource Center to hold consciousness racing sessions and just talk about that. So it's just gathering around and discussing, sharing these stories like the ones I've shared with you. We've talked with uh, a center for peer education to also a nutrition department on campus, right? So that they can ask questions and get rid of some of the myths around what eating disorders look like mm -hmm. or what they feel like or what they are disguised as. Um, so there's a lot of people trying just to bring up this conversation. We've also held sessions, um, group sessions for positive body image, peer-led sessions. We had a couple of those last year. So just creating these conversations as part of a normal conversation that doesn't have to be hidden or stigmatized. I, I say let's go into some of those hidden stigmas that, that kind of happen. What are maybe some myths that, that are associated with eating disorders? Well, I think the first one that is very important is that you have to look a certain way to have an eating disorder. So there is a stereotypical look of a very underweight person that has anorexia. While I can still have the same behaviors and still be restricting my food intake or engaging in these internal discussions that tell me I don't look good enough or that my body is not okay and not look or not be extremely underweight and then I don't look like someone that has an eating disorder, right? So if I am not extremely underweight or extremely overweight, people will not typically associate that to an eating disorder, even though I might have the same behaviors or the same mental struggles, right? Mm -hmm. So there's not a way to look, or eating disorders do not look a certain way, right? They don't follow a certain body type. Anyone in any size can be going through different types of eating disorders, whether that's restriction or binging or overcompensating with exercise. There's not a way to say by looking at someone that they have or don't have an eating disorder. What made you really passionate about having some sort of awareness here at this university? The first thing definitely was that I am an international student. I'm from Costa Rica and there is no awareness at all or no way to ask for help when you're going through these conditions back home. It's very new back there and there wasn't any opportunity to get any sort of treatment or anything. So when I had to go through my struggles and my teenage years and 20s, I just pretty much had to do it through online research or just basically suck it up and try to find help on my own, right? 
So when I get here on campus and I see that there is opportunity to actually work with different people that are involved and that can bring awareness to this to all the students, I think this becomes a priority. Like I can help or get involved or volunteer or do whatever it takes to bring awareness to this issue because there are actually resources here to do this, right? There's counseling centers, there's nutrition services, there's peer education, there's a center for women's uh, and gender equity. And there's a lot of opportunity. So it's time to take it and just bring that conversation just like it is brought to some other issues that are just as important. Do you feel like uh, there's any common myths that you see that are found here in the United States that maybe are not in Costa Rica or vice versa? Or is it pretty similar on what you see? Because you mentioned like resources, and I see that as like a cultural thing, like you say Costa Rica, but then when you came here, you see it at a university, mm -hmm. right? So what, what is it like if we step off the university? I think that it's still seen as, like having eating disorders are still seen as a white woman problem. Um, so it's harder also thinking about, it's not something that you get if you're from a different ethnicity. Mm. So that limits some of the resources available for people of other racial identities, of color, of other gender identities as well. It's been also known more, uh, now there's more awareness that this also affects people of any gender identity, right? Male, female, uh, non-binary, uh, cisgender, transgender. But I think those that awareness is greater on campus because of our student population and the efforts that our students have made to be seen in the different student organizations, right? Once you step off campus, I think it's still very limited to white, female, young mm. that has this problem, right? So the more awareness we create that that's not how it is, that anyone can be affected by this illness, then the more awareness there is about the need for resources for all the population, right? Without mattering what race, size, ethnicity, or gender you identify with. Okay, so say it's say it's Christmas time, mm -hmm. and and I really like cookies, and like you, I really like frosting. I prefer funfetti, and so say I. I, I eat a bunch, say one one morning, um, and I decide, you know what? I had I had a lot this morning, a lot of sugar, and so I decide to skip lunch, and and I just um, no, I've already had enough calories for today if I'm counting calories. Would you see that as like a as a caution sign of a, of an eating disorder in any way, just as a hypothetical situation? Yeah, so I think that there are so many behaviors in our culture that are part of a greater diet culture, right, mm -hmm. that promote these actions. So if you do it once, it might be ignored, it might be laughed off. It's just like, oh, well, you know, could it be actually that you are actually very full and you don't want to eat until later? That would be okay. 
if you because you're listening to your body cues and you're like oh okay i'm full I'm, i don't feel like having lunch right now i'll eat later but when it comes out of a sensation of guilt or of responsibility that now you have to do this because mm -hmm. you ate this or this that has been labeled as a treat or as not healthy mm -hmm. or as having too much x y or z then that's the warning sign when you start regulating your behaviors out of this guilt or obligation and not because you feel full or satisfied or not right that would be normal bodily reaction awareness right i'm full i stop eating when i'm full but the culture around us has told us oh if you have this then you had enough for the rest of your day therefore i cannot do x y or z yeah exactly so it's this that's the other thing that brings up a really great point because it's not it's not only about the food itself right an eating disorder is about guilt it's about shame it's about body shaming yourself others it's about this mental struggle of navigating every day so it's not also as simple as to say well why don't you just go eat something or mm -hmm. why don't you stop eating something right because there's this mental and emotional component to it so i think that's another myth in the end like it's oh it's only about the food then it can go mm -hmm. away just as easy as food comes and goes right and i feel like it's hard too on a college campus when when you're I mean, if we're looking at it in a normal, like, 18, emerging adulthood, right, 18 to 24-year-olds, brains are still developing, and therefore, they're also in this constant, like, understanding reality, mm -hmm. and also comparison of who am I versus who are they, and now you are walking through a campus full of people who may or may not, you don't know, based on their looks, whether they are, you know, having this eating disorder, but like, oh, I have a problem. Now this comparison can become negative, and then mm -hmm. toxic, and then now it's cyclical. I, I, it just seems like such a, such a, struggle constant struggle and it's an it's a greater struggle because eating disorders i heard this from someone else a couple of years ago and they said eating disorders thrive in secrecy and that lit up like an extra light bulb in my head because absolutely so you have there's so much shame associated to because it's such a it's 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 a private moment you mm -hmm. with your food right but then at the same time so many people have an opinion about it right mm. then if you're doing something that is not considered or not highly valued by all these others then then you start feeling ashamed about it mm. so your disorder and i sometimes talk about the disorder in a third person right your disorder takes on a life of its own and it starts telling you ah oh, you shouldn't have had that plate of x y and z yeah oh, well, what are you going to do now to, you know? But it becomes that voice in your own head that needs, that starts dictating how you act, but it, it's secret. You want still to be normal. You still want to fit in with everyone else on campus. You still want to go to the activities. You still want... And then there's this other side of you that's telling you, well, but then you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. So how do you navigate all this discovery and all this college experience with that other voice on top of everything. You're already second guessing yourself about everything you do. 
Anyway. Right. <laughs> so that's just adding something else. You're going to go to the dining hall and someone's going to come and uh, give a personal opinion. Example that I have a um, couple of, no, I think it was two years ago also, right here on our recreation um, facilities. Some students had come up with a great idea and they were being super nice about giving the rest of the staff free meals and free lunch, right? So they went out of their way, they cooked their food and they served it upstairs in the staff uh, conference room. As a way to go support these students, I went up there and had some lunch and I was walking down with my plate of food and another uh, instructor had the audacity to comment on my plate and was like, wow, that's so many carbohydrates. Wow. Oof. And here I am, a graduate student, a fitness instructor, uh, etc. And a fellow colleague just commented on what I have on my plate, right? So things like that add up. And if you have this already need to fit in or this doubt or this just struggle with anything else that just is going to add on top of you and that can definitely lead to mm -hmm. really questioning your behaviors and if you need to change them because you were ashamed by them There's always, hopefully, there's always one friend you can talk to, at least. It's not easy to go completely open and say, hey, I have an eating disorder, but always try to reach out to someone. Again, this happens to so many people and it's not something you have to go through alone. Going through it alone is just gonna make it harder and probably worse, right? So reaching out, always a friend, um, of course, Resources on campus can be the counseling center, right? You can reach out immediately. Nationally, sometimes it might even feel good to talk to someone that maybe you don't know. Mm -hmm. So the National Eating Disorder Association has a hotline. It's toll free. It's 1-800-931-2237. Or you can also text them. So they have a crisis support. And if you just text NEDA, N-E-D-A, to 741741, they'll reply and you can have a text conversation with a trained counselor or an advocate for this. So I think the biggest thing is talk about it. We all know somebody that has gone through this or we have gone through this. And unless we start talking about it, we're not gonna have opportunities to find solutions to this problem or at least to create the awareness that there needs to be more resources and solutions to this problem. So no shame. Talk about it. Have this conversation. Make people uncomfortable talking about it. And it's not something, if you are experiencing this, it's not something you have to go through alone and you don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed of going through this.